out of the fog, out of the night, and into his American adventures comes Bulldog Drummond. The Mutual Broadcasting System brings you another exciting detective adventure with Bulldog Drummond, starring Ned Weaver, champion of justice, amateur detective, celebrated soldier of fortune of screen and radio, Bulldog Drummond comes to you every week at this same time with more of his baffling and intriguing mysteries. For adventure and excitement, keep this rendezvous with Bulldog Drummond every week. And now, to tell us of his latest adventure, here is Bulldog Drummond. When you're in my type of business, you must reconcile yourself to one thing, unpopularity. The people on the other side of the fence avoid you like the plague. For example, last Friday, Denny and I dropped into Larry's for a late evening snack. Larry's is one of those intimate little spots on West 47th Street with the usual assortment of cartoon caricatures on the walls and the usual assortment of shady characters at the table. The place was crowded, but the cheering section was conspicuously silent as Denny and I squeezed our way toward a booth in the rear. Uh, oh, look, sir, that, that booth isn't vacant after all. Someone's sitting there. So I see. Roxy Hagen. Hagen? Friend of yours, Captain Drummond? Not exactly a friend, Denny. A professional acquaintance, you might say. Roxy and I both deal in crime, but from opposite approaches. You can easily size up our relationship by the unwelcome glance he's giving me. Uh, but look, sir, he's leaving the booth. Well, come on, let's get it before someone else does. Right. Well, this is a bit of luck, and I'm famished. And I wonder why Roxy left so hurriedly. Well, obviously he was finished. No, on the contrary. Look here, his glass. He hasn't touched his drink. Oh. You know, Denny... I think I've frightened Roxy off. Well, that's one way of getting a seat in a crowded restaurant, eh, sir? Oh, here's a menu. I see you didn't touch your drink. What's that? I said I see you didn't touch your drink. Now, what business is that of yours? And if you must know, that drink... Who is he? Oh, Denny? You were supposed to be alone. He's usually with me. Well, if you say he's all right. He's all right. Move over, you. Uh, now, look here, I... I, I said over. Uh, but I, I... Over, Denny? Yes, sir. Ah, let's get down to business. A good idea. I got it with me. Now you see, Denny, he's got it with him. Oh, he has? Oh, that's fine. I... Hey, what am I talking about? And what's the matter with him? He's the confused type. Well, tell him to shut up. Well, of all of... Shut up, Denny. Yes, sir. Now, here's your ticket. You hold it until I tell you where and when to deliver. Is that clear? Quite clear. All right. Now, your telephone number. Elwood 89970. Elwood 89970. Here's the envelope. Al said that was the deal. If Al said that's what it was, that's what it is. Now, wait for my call. I'll be waiting. You'll be hearing from me. Well, sir, would you mind telling me what this is all about? Denny, I wish I knew. Huh? You don't know the man? Never saw him before in my life. But he gave you that ticket. Yes, I'm afraid it's a case of mistaken identity. Oh? What kind of a ticket is it? Obviously, it's a parcel claim check of some sort. And he wants to ensure it's safekeeping. Well, what are we going to do about it? We're going home and wait for our mysterious visitor's call. Oh, but how do you know he'll call? Oh, there's no doubt about that. He'll call, all right. What makes you so sure? Because, Denny, he's made a sizable investment in us. In us? Mm. Look for yourself in this envelope. There's a thousand-dollar bill. You know, sir, it, it just occurred to me. What, Denny? Roxy Hagen. You said yourself we frightened him off at Larry's tonight. That claim check and the thousand-dollar bill were meant for him. Undoubtedly. Well, then why not look up Roxy and get to the bottom of this? Because, Denny, I have an idea that Roxy will look us up in short order. We'll just sit and wait for development. In this instance, we'll let the case come to us. Don't forget, we're holding the trump card. And, uh, 
It looks as if someone is about to make a bid. Hello? Hello, Elwood 89970. Yes? I'm calling about Steve. Steve? Yes, Steve Mantell, the man you met at Larry's. Oh, yes. Well, this is very important. He wants me to bring you to him. And who are you? I'm Rita Miller. I'm Steve's fiancé. Very well, Miss Miller. Where shall we meet? Well, you'd better come here to my apartment. It's 33 Grove Place, 3A. I'm afraid to leave this building. Why? What's the matter? A man has been following me since I left Steve. And for the past hour, he's been watching my apartment from the street. Now, Miss Miller, about this man who's been following you. He's still down there. Look for yourself. Denny, the window. Uh, Yes, sir. Miss Miller, suppose you enlighten me about the parcel claim check. Claim check? What claim check? The one I'm holding for Steve Mantell. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Captain Drummond. Yes, Denny? There is a man standing across the street. I told you, he's the one. There's nothing unusual about a man standing on a street corner, is there, sir? Uh, not necessarily. He's wearing a tan hat and a brown coat. Huh? And he's carrying a black bag. Well, Denny? Oh, uh, that's correct, sir. He's holding a black bag, all right. Well, now do you believe me? Who is he? I don't know. Oh, please, Captain Drummond. Steve asked me to bring you to him as soon as possible, and he said to make sure that I'm not followed. But how will I get out of here? Well, now, let's see. Uh, Denny. Uh, yes, sir? Stand next to Miss Miller a moment, will you? Mm-hmm. That should do it. Uh, do what? Go in the other room, Denny. The other room? Why, sir? To undress. What? Miss Miller is leaving this building with me, disguised as you. Uh, but, sir... Now, I... do as I tell you, Denny. Very well, but really, sir, the things I go through for you. Poor Denny. Well, anyway, Miss Miller, it worked. We're not being followed. Thank heaven. Now I can take this derby off. Better leave it on, just in case. Which way? It's Elm Street, 347. It's only a few blocks from here. Miss Miller, what sort of business is your fiancé in? Steve, he's a laboratory technician. Where? Well, he just came in from Chicago the day before yesterday. He finished an assignment there. I see, Chicago. Uh-huh. After we're married, we expect to go back to Chicago. As soon as Steve completes some work here. What kind of work? Well, I don't know, really. Steve just said it was very important to him. And profitable? What do you mean by that? Nothing. Captain Drummond, you've got to tell me what it's all about. Frankly, Miss Miller, I'm as much in the dark as you are. But I'm sure Steve Mantell can enlighten the both of us. What number did you say? 347. It's that brownstone. Next to the apartment house there. Just to sit there. There. Uh, just down these stairs. He has the basement apartment. Here you are. See, that's strange. What is? The lights are out. He said he'd be waiting. You wouldn't have gone to bed. I'll ring again. Steve? Steve? Captain Drummond, maybe something's happened to him. Yeah. Steve, I've been... Yeah, what is it? Captain Drummond, this isn't Steve. Hey, what do you two want? We're looking for a Steve Mantell. You've got the wrong place. You don't live here. This is Steve's apartment. What do you two think you're doing? You're getting me out of bed in the middle of the night to play games. Steve lives here. I saw him here only a few hours ago. Is that damn crazy? Believe me, Captain Drummond, that's the truth. Look at this get up on her. Don't you know, girl, you can get picked up for imitating a man? Now, just a moment. And listen, you two. You ring that bell again and I call the cops. Now, go on. Beat it. All right. Well, Miss Miller? Oh, Captain Drummond, this is a trick of some kind. Steve was here a few hours ago. This is his place. Believe me, it is. I I know. The mailbox. That's it. The mailbox over there. Steve's name is on it. Look, you. Evidently, there must be some mistake, Miss Phillips. The name on this card is James Burton. Moments after you departed with Mr. 
Miller. Uh, by the way, sir, where are you going to stop to look for Steve Mantell? At 347 Elm Street. But you said it looked as if Mantell didn't live there. It only looked that way, then. Oh, what do you mean? The man in pajamas who answered the door. Well, what about him? He said we awakened him. I looked him over quite carefully. And? Well, it isn't customary, Denny, for a man who wears pajamas to sleep with socks and shoes on. No answer, sir. Shall I try it again? No, will you? It's jealous of you. But uh, what if he's inside? We'll take that chance. Oh, there it is. See if you can find the light switch. Oh, I have it, sir. Well. My word, what a mess. Looks as if a cyclone hit the place. See what's in the next room, Denny. Uh, yes, sir. Oh, Denny. Yes? Never mind that next room. Oh, oh, oh. did you find something? Yes, what we came for. Behind this couch. There he is, Steve Mantell. Dead? Yes, Denny. Very dead. continues in just a moment. Political quacks and adventurers belonging to the lunatic fringe of American life seek to gain adherence and make easy money for themselves by diverting citizens from their real problems and attacking some racial or religious group as being at the bottom of the shortages, the strikes, or the rising prices. People who, out of indifference to American principles of racial and religious freedom and undecided about prejudice, or who might support hate campaigns against Protestants or Jews, Catholics or Negroes, are potential confederates or dupes of such subversive forces. Don't be fooled. Don't be misled. Be a real American. And now, back to our Bulldog Drummond adventure. Oh, I've searched everywhere, sir. I've found nothing. Anything in his pockets? Empty, every one of them. Whoever killed Steve Mantell certainly went over this apartment with a fine-tooth comb. But they overlooked one thing, Denny. Yes, what's that? This label on the inside of his coat pocket. Here, look. Hmm. Bomb Brothers, Clovers, Chicago, Illinois. November 16th, 1946. And the name of the wearer here. Edward Torrey. Edward Torrey? But his name is Steve Mantell. Evidently not in Chicago. Well, what do you mean, sir? I mean that Steve Mantell found it convenient to use two names. Well, come on, there's nothing more we can do here. First, we're stopping off the nearest telegraph office to send a wire to Chicago. Uh, to whom in Chicago? The police. I have an idea they'll be able to supply me with an account of the activities of one Edward Torrey, alias Steve Mantell. And then, Denny, from the telegraph office, we're going straight home. But why home? Oh, just to see which way the wind's blowing there. Good heavens, sir. Look at our place. As you said about Steve Mantell's apartment, it looks as if a cyclone had hit it. Probably the same one. Oh. Oh, so that's what you meant about coming home to see which way the wind was blowing. That's what I meant. Then you expected to find our apartment this way. I did, Denny. Uh, someone had an idea that the claim check would be here. Foxy Hagen. He's the one, sir. He knew Mantell gave you the ticket. You yourself said he would look us up. He was here, and he killed Mantell. I don't doubt that Roxy was here, Denny, but as for Mantell's murderer, I'd elect the man in the pajamas as the most likely suspect. Well, just the same, sir. I think it's about time we had Roxy taken in by the police. Not at all. Roxy will be of much more value to us on the loose, at least for the time being. At present, my main concern is the claim check. Whatever parcel it's redeemable for must certainly be of great value. It certainly must. Mantell gave us a $1,000 bill to guarantee the check's safekeeping. Saved the check, but not himself. There's no mistake, he was murdered because of it. Yes, and our place here turned topsy-turvy in the search for it. Well, anyway, there's comfort in knowing that you have it with you. Now we can find out what makes it so valuable. I haven't it with me, Denny. What? You left it here? No, I mailed it. Mailed it? While you were waiting outside the telegraph office, it'll arrive here safe and sound in the first mail tomorrow morning. 
away with anybody when I kill him. Miss Miller, I have an idea that Steve Mantell wasn't everything you thought he was. What do you mean by that? I'm not sure, but I should know by morning. What are you talking about? I expect a wire from the Chicago police in answer to an inquiry of mine concerning Steve Mantell. And, in addition, an important envelope will arrive by the first mail. No, Captain Drummond, you're wrong. I know you're wrong. Steve, what Captain you... Drummond. Yes, Denny? The man with the black bag. I just saw him from the window. Got out of an auto downstairs. He's standing on the corner again. All right. Miss Miller. Yes? I want you to remain here in your apartment. I'll call you in the morning. Come along, Denny. It's about time we had a talk with that man with the black bag. Yes, 
as dead as he would have had us. Uh, but uh, uh, where did the shot come from? There's no time to investigate now. Get the Geiger counter, counter and hurry. Y- yes, sir. We're going radium hunting. But where are we going to look? We don't have the claim check. I remember the number. It was 862. Oh, but what good's the number? We don't even know where the parcel is stored. Denny, if you came from Chicago by train and you wanted to check a parcel immediately upon arrival, where would you do it? Why, well, why at Grand Central Station, of course. That's where we begin. Grand Central Station. <laughs> Enter the station from the West Plaza, Denny. That's nearest the parcel checking room. Yes, sir. Well, what's that? The Geiger counter. Listen to it. Well, it's ticking faster. The nearer we get to the station, the more active it becomes. The radium must be in the parcel room. Parcel 862, you say? That's right, 862. I want to see it immediately. All right, 862 was checked out just a few minutes ago. Get going, Denny. The package was picked up just before I got there. Yeah, right, sir. Uh, you know, sir, I thought something was strange. Just as you went into the station, the counter trailed off and then stopped completely. Cut across town, Denny. We'll avoid the heavy traffic. Yes, where are we going? We're paying a long-delayed call on Roxy Hagen. But why Roxy now? Because the parcel room attendant's description of the man who picked up the package fits Roxy to a T. Uh, the counter's starting up. We're on the right trail again. Yes. And we're getting nearer to Roxy's place. Oh, this elevator is so slow we could have walked up faster. We'll be there in a second. Started as if it came from above. This way, Denny. Right. Now, Miss Miller, here's a little item that no household should be without. The 
especially if the radium thief should be lurking about. All right, Jenny, switch it on. Interesting item, isn't it, Miss Miller? No. That's enough, Denny. Well, what have you proven, Captain Drummond? Oh, now, really, Miss Miller, for a person with such a keen interest in radium, I'm surprised at your ignorance concerning our little telltale mechanism. By elimination, it led us directly here to the radium and to you. And um, speaking of elimination, you appear to excel at it, too. Yes? Yes. Please stop me if I'm incorrect. You had a neat plan worked out. You put a scare into your fiancé to get the claim check out of his hand. Steve Mantell was murdered. You led to his apartment on a ruse while you had Roxy go through my place for the claim check. When I dropped the hint to you that I was expecting an important envelope in the mail, you realized it was really time to get down to business. The man with a black bag was getting too close for comfort. So you had him written off. And then I imagine you played off Roxy and your other cohort against each other. But even a two-way split between you and Roxy was unsatisfactory. So Roxy had to go. And that left just you and $100,000 worth of radium. Am I wrong? Well, uh, I would take Miss Miller's silence to mean that you're quite correct, sir. Yes, Denny. Miss Miller had a good plan, but it didn't work. And if Miss Miller thinks her plan was good, wait until she hears the one the state will have laid out for her. And in cases like hers, the state's plans always work. Bulldog Drummond will return in just a moment to tell us about next week's story. Let's hold down traffic deaths and injuries. Death on our highways is increasing. Traffic accidents have been mounting since the end of the war. Smash-ups have reached more than once a minute, all day, every day in the year. But the encouraging thing is that accident prevention education has actually succeeded in holding down accidents below the level of 1941, the last pre-war year. The job can be done. Lives can be saved. Now, here is Bulldog Drummond to tell us about next week's story. Next week's story has many curious features. Among them, a lake that climbs a mountain simply because it's bored, and a scheme devised by a blonde Miss Baker, which would have failed if it had succeeded, and only succeeded when finally it failed. Miss Baker had to be destroyed, of course, but I'm sure she didn't mind. And anyhow, as Denny puts it, what else could she have expected when she had... No murder to guide her. Be sure to listen, won't you? And so, into the night walks Bulldog Drummond, seeking new adventure and excitement. Join us next week at the same time when we'll bring you Bulldog Drummond, starring Ned Weaver, in another thrilling story. Tonight's adventure was written by Edward J. Adamson. Arthur Van Horn speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Why are camels by far America's most popular cigarette? Two of the reasons are flavor and mildness. No other cigarette has camels' rich, full flavor. And no other cigarette offers this proof of mildness. In a coast-to-coast test of hundreds of people with normal throats, noted throat specialists reported not one single case of throat irritation due to smoking camels. Try camels yourself. Then you'll know why Camel leads all other brands by billions of cigarettes per year. What cigarette do you smoke, Doctor? That question was asked a few years ago of 113,597 doctors. The brand name most was Camel. Recently, that question was again asked of tens of thousands of doctors across the country. Doctors in all branches of medicine. And again... The brand named most was Camel. Yes, according to these nationwide surveys, more doctors smoke Camels than any other cigarette. Friends, smoke the cigarette so many doctors enjoy. Change to Camels for 30 days and see how mild, how flavorful, how enjoyable a cigarette can be. Yes, change to Camels for 30 days and you'll stay with Camels from then on. Oh my, 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 oh my
the camel thirty day test, and you'll see. Smoke camel disease. To find out how well camels agree with the throats of smokers, this far-reaching test was made. Hundreds of people from coast to coast, people with normal throats, smoked only camels for thirty days. Each week, leading throat specialists examined the throats of these smokers. They made 2,470 examinations and reported not one single case of throat irritation due to smoking camels. Try camels for 30 days and see how mild, how flavorful, how enjoyable a cigarette can be. How mild, how mild, how mild can a cigarette be? Smoke camels and see. Here's Dick Powell with a special message. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of camels have sent more than 198 million gift camels to our armed forces. This week, gift camels go to hospitalized servicemen and veterans at Veterans Hospitals, Framingham, Massachusetts, and Durban, Michigan, U.S. Naval Hospital, San Diego, California, and to all hospitals operated for the U.S. Air Forces in the Far East. Now until next week, enjoy camels. I always do. A very absorbing story of death and mystery on a small island. Let's look at it under the reading lamp. It was an evening early in May, and the waters around the Cape, just off the coast of Massachusetts, were buried under a fog as thick and as massive as any you'd want to see. Moving cautiously, a small boat makes its way slowly toward one of the islands off the Cape. In the boat, there are Elisha McCumber and Anne Waldron. Well, this is something. I'm glad we're almost there. Yep. You been scared, Miss Walden? Oh, not scared, Elisha, but if I hadn't bumped into you in New Bedford, I'd have spent the night there. Not even Noah himself could have persuaded me to take a boat ride in this fog. What's new on the island? Oh, nothing much. Unless you're counting a mysterious stranger. Mysterious? Calls himself David Highland. Gets mail from New York, Washington, Boston, but near every day. Nobody knows what's in it. He don't talk. Maybe he's an ex-sailor with a sweetheart in every port. Uh, this could be. But I'm chairman of the board of selectmen, and it's my duty to keep the peace on that island. Well, you've always managed, Elisha. What else is new? Leonard Case is there, too. Leonard? Yep. Four weeks now. Then Myra Van Wick must be there. She ain't. I guess Mr. Case will be mighty glad to see you, Miss Waldron. Why should he be glad? Well, I reckon the fella gets pretty lonesome with the plaster cast on each leg. Plaster cast, Leonard? Got both his legs broken in an automobile accident a few months ago. I figured you might know about it. No. No, I didn't know. Elisha, are you sure Myra isn't on the island? Mm-hmm. You're still sweet on the fella, ain't you? He doesn't mean a thing to me. Uh, maybe not. But summer of last year, when Mr. Case turned from you to that Van Wick woman, uh, yep, uh, I was mighty glad the season ended without a killing. Thanks very much, Elisha. I'll go the rest of the way alone. Oh, I don't mind taking your door, Miss Walden. You don't have to. I'll just follow this path around Myra Van Wick's house, and that'll take me right home. Good night, Elisha. And thanks for everything. Good night, Miss Walden. Be careful. Maybe I should have... Oh, well. Nothing ever happens here. What's that? What on earth? That's Myra's house, and it's closed tight. Someone's coming this way. Someone... Hello. Fancy meeting you here. Who are you? What do you want? You sound like a native. Suppose I answer your first question first. Who am I? David Highland. Highland? Why don't you call me David? Then I can call you... Ann Walden. Ann. Lovely. Your house is about 200 feet from here, isn't it? Yes. You expect to live there alone? What business is it of yours? Just this. You won't tell anyone that you met me tonight, will you? I won't. That's what I said. Because if you do, one of us will become very useless. Uh, 
Hey, Mr. Case, there's a dame here to see you. A dame? So we're in, sir. Okay, Tootsie. Help yourself to the board. But don't make him nervous. He's in a very delicate condition. Anne! Oh, Anne, darling, I'm so glad to see you. Hello, Leonard. You look beautiful. I'm all beautiful. Hey, Mr. I... Case, is it all right if I take the car and go for a drive into town? Yes, beat it. Go anyplace. I'll pick up some chow for the icebox while I'm there. You got a couple of preferences, maybe? Buy anything you like, but for Pete's okay. sake. Okay. <laughs> well, don't look so surprised, Dan. The guy saved my life. Pulled me out of the wreck before the car went up in flames. Hang it if he doesn't turn out to be the best cook and butler this side of the Atlantic. I, uh... I was hoping you'd come in. You were? Well, what do you mean? I knew you were on the island. Oh, Elisha told you. No, I saw you. From here? Mm-hmm. But my house is... <laughs> Leonard, what have you done to this room? You like? I had these walls ripped out and the glass put in their place. Nah, I don't miss a trick. I simply look through this telescope and the island has no secret. I see. Leonard, when is Myra coming? She isn't. Too busy in New York? I hope so. The fact is, Myra and I are washed up. (laughs) Silly, isn't it? Is it? The crazy thing about it is that I really thought I loved her. I must have been out of my mind. Did you marry her? Uh, it wasn't that crazy, Ann. Put that crawl on your bed. And I want you to meet Mabel, my little helpmate. <laughs> when Sam's away, Mabel does the little odd jobs that make me comfortable. Watch. Mabel, my pipe. Oh, you're slipping, old girl. You forgot my tobacco pouch. Thank you. Now you may go out and get your lunch. And don't dig up anyone's garden. For pity's sake, where did you pick that up? <laughs> Myra gave it to me. Wow. Everyone to his taste. I don't think I... What's that? What? On your bed. It... Oh, it's a buckle off a woman's shoe. Well, what do you know? The thing that bird will bring home with her. Wait a minute, Leonard. I've seen this buckle before. Haven't you? Haven't I? Why, I don't remember. That's Myra's. What are you talking about? Myra's in New York. We'll soon find out. Uh, Give me that telescope. But, uh... Hello? Yes, yes, she's here. Would you like to talk to her? Uh Uh-huh. What? Good heavens, of course I'll tell her right away. Anne, you can stop looking. What is it, Leonard? Myra's here on the island. Lashing McCombie just phoned. He wants you to go over to her house. She's been murdered. Elisha? Hey? Oh, Miss Waldron. Ah, you got here pretty quick, didn't you? I can't believe it. Myra dead. When did it happen? Sometime last night. Last night? The coroner says it must have took place between 11 and 12. That's impossible. Is it? Why? Well, it was close to 12 when I left you. I took the path that runs around this place. The house was locked up. Did you look to see? No, there, there was no reason for me to look. You yourself told me Myra wasn't on the island. Well, I reckon I was wrong, Miss Waldron. Miss Van Wick must have got here while I was in New Bedford. Then that must have been it. Uh, what uh, was that, Miss Waldron? The door. As I was passing by here last night, I heard the door open and close. Twice. Uh-huh. Of course, you didn't see anyone, did you? As a matter of fact, I... I, I, I didn't. It's too bad. Would you like to see the body? Must I? It can't hurt you. It's right there in the living room. Come along. There she is, just like I found her. Oh, her head's almost in the fireplace. Yep. She was just about to light the fire with that match. When death blew it out. You got any idea what killed her? I? Well, why should I? I thought you might have. It was cyanide of potassium. Oh, how awful. Uh-huh. But there's one thing that puzzles me, Miss Waldron. How did the killer get her to take it? I... I don't know, Elisha. There ain't a sign of a struggle in the room. and There ain't a mark on her body. Cyanide works like lightning. 
That means she was killed right here in this room. But, Elisha, you keep talking about murder. How, how do you know it wasn't suicide? Of course, I, I ain't never seen a corpse that get up to dispose of the evidence. Maybe she chewed it. Huh? Uh, how would you be knowing about that, Miss Walter? That piece of gum near the fireplace. Hmm. <laughs> I guess I must be slipping. Now, we'll see what the coroner has to say about this gum. It was suicide, Elisha. I'm sure of it. Why? Ask Lenardis. He can give you all the facts. I'm asking you, Miss Walter. I don't know them. Now, why did you send for me? I wanted to hear what you had to say in the presence of the corpse. But why me? To my way of thinking, Miss Van Wick was murdered. And I thought maybe I ought to have a talk to one person that had both motive and opportunity. That's you, Miss Walter. <laughs> to break down the door? I must see you, Mr. Harland. All right. Would you like to look at me here, or would you rather come in? I'll come in. Good. Sit down. No, thanks. Mr. Harland, what were you doing out in the fog last night? You won't call me David, will you? Will you answer my question, please? Sure. What were you doing out in the fog last night? I was going home. So was I. That makes us even, doesn't it? Not quite. Myra Van Wick's been murdered. What? You don't say. On this quiet, peaceful island... Did you tell anyone you met me? No. Good girl. Yes. Always play it smart. But I will, Mr. Highland. Will you? Would you like to hang for the murder of Myra Van Wick? What? Suppose I told Elisha that I saw you coming out of her house last night. But, but you didn't. How do you know I didn't? Well, I didn't go in after I left you. I, I went right home. Can you prove it? Can I? Now, look here, Mr. Highland. What are you trying to do? I don't want you to make any mistakes. You protect me, and I'll protect you. You killed Myra. Uh, don't point, Miss Walden. It's bad manners. Why did you do it? <laughs> All right. I'm going to find out, Mr. Highland. And what you came to this island for. And when I do... Yes? That... That letter on the desk. That's Myra's handwriting on the envelope. Put it down. Mail from New York yesterday. Give it to me. Didn't have to break my arm. I'm sorry. It's such a pretty arm, too. And that's such a pretty neck. What? What are you going to do? Nothing. If you say one word about this letter to anyone, I'm going to put a rope around that neck for keeps. Leonard, what am I going to do? Elisha thinks I killed Myra. And I can't prove that I didn't. Anne, I know you didn't, no matter what you thought of Myra. Oh, uh, Elisha was here. I told him that she wanted to marry me, but, well, I couldn't do it. Then she loved you? I'm afraid so. Leonard, it's possible, then, that Myra committed suicide. No. Just before you came in, Elisha phoned me. That piece of gum you found, there was no poison in it. Oh. Oh. Don't, don't worry, darling. We'll find a way to get you out of it. But, Leonard, who left that gum there? A killer, no doubt. Listen, Anne, what about David Highland? Who? Ah, uh, don't pretend you don't know him. I saw you with him a little while ago. You saw me? Mm-hmm. This telescope. Oh. Why did you go to his house? I can't tell you. All right. Then maybe you can tell me what you and he were wrestling over. It was a letter, wasn't it? Leonard, please don't ask me. Wasn't it? I... <laughs> yes. From Myra. Myra? Well, what's he got to do with me? I don't know. But, oh, promise you won't tell anyone. Leonard, you must promise. Why? Well, just promise, that's all. <laughs> all right, dear. <laughs> We've got to know what was in that letter. Yes. But how are we going to get it? Now, I'll keep my telescope trained on his house. When David Highland goes out, I'll tell Sam. <laughs> Shut up, Mabel. Mabel. Leonard, that shoe buckle she brought in here this morning. Yes? That was Myra's. Oh, what a... Dunderhead I am. Why didn't I see it before? See what? Where did Mabel find that buckle? Certainly not in Myra's house. She must have found it outside somewhere. Don't you see what that means? Uh-huh. That Myra wasn't killed in her own house. Say. Now all we have to do is find out where she was killed. Leonard, how well have you got that crow training? Pretty well. Why? That buckle. If you told her to put it back where she found it, would she do it? Mm, I don't think so. She's not that smart. Oh. Besides, been hours since she brought it here. All right. Then that letter from Myra might tell us what we want to know. I want to know the minute that man goes out. Uh, 
Now, let me see. The desk. Oh, he would keep it locked. I don't think he'd be so careless as to leave it under the chair cushions. No, that would be too obvious. Oh, oh. Hello? Anne. Oh, what is it, Leonard? Is he coming back? I haven't seen him, but it's getting dark, and I'm afraid I won't be able to keep watch for you much longer. I can't leave now. I've got to find that letter. But it might be dangerous. Suppose he walks in on you. Well, I'll have to take that chance. Hold the wire. I'll go look some more. All right, but hurry. Chair cushions? Oh, no, of course not. That liquor cabinet. Who would think of looking in a liquor cabinet for a letter? Only it didn't get dark so that... There. Hello, Leonard. Any luck, Ann? Plenty. I've got it. Bring it over here right away. Leonard. Well, what's the matter? Well, why don't you get out of there? I'm afraid it's too late. Well, Leonard, send for Elisha McComber, quick. Is it Highland? I can't see. It's dark. Get Elisha. Ann. Your Honor, I'm going for a walk. Where's Miss Walden? Anne? She's supposed to be here? Yep. Let's go into your house. All right, if you like. While we're doing that little thing, would you mind telling me what this is all about? In time. Where is she? I don't know. When I left for the village, the house was empty. When I came back, it was still empty. She spoke to Mr. Case on the phone from here. Really? Well, perhaps I should lock my door when I go out. Do you think my neighbors would disapprove? Ain't none of my business. But this matter of Miss Waldron... Mr. Hyland, would you be a gum-chewing character? Gum-chewing? <laughs> Sometimes. But I want to get rid of a bad taste. Now, how did you get rid of the gum? Spit it out on the floor? What do you mean? Over there, by that table. But... Well, I'll Maybe be... you will a lot sooner than you'd be expecting. Are you ready to talk about Miss Walden? Of course. Yes, I think she's beautiful. I think she's a charming girl. Now, if she were only a bit more friendly... Is that all you've got to say? No, but for the moment, it'll have to do. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you'd better come with me. Where? To Miss Van Wick's house. Why, there? Me and my boys have given that place a mighty fine once over. Somebody that done a killing could think that we'd have no more reason to go back there. But we have, Mr. Hyland. Come on. <laughs> Well, are you satisfied, Elisha? There isn't a trace of Ann Waldron upstairs or even down here in the cellar. I ain't through looking yet, Mr. Hyland. Where do you expect to find her? In the coal bin? Maybe. Hand me that shovel. <laughs> All right, but I... On the other hand, uh, maybe you better do the shovel. Hmm? I can keep an eye on you that way. Well, anything to make a select man happy, especially if he's the chairman of the board. <clears throat> You're a mighty calm young fellow, ain't you? Pretty sure of yourself. Uh, I was brought up right. What do you know about Miss Van Wick? She's dead. The postman mentioned you got a letter from New York this afternoon. It was in a woman's handwriting. I get lots of letters. Uh, from dead people? Well, you can never tell about that, Elisha. Sometimes you can swear a person is alive, and then after you've known him for a while, you... But this letter, Mr. Hyland, the postman had an idea it was in Miss Van Wick's handwriting, huh? From what he remembers of her handwriting... I didn't kill her. That's what you're leading up to. Yep, that's what I'm leading up to. You got that letter? Nope. <laughs> I'll suit yourself, Mr. Hyland. You don't have to talk now. Uh, wait a minute, huh? That suitcase, it was buried in the coal. Well, I'll be swan. Jumping G. Hostel. Jewel. Diamonds. Well, it must be a million dollars worth. So that's it. That's why Miss Van Wick was killed. Uh-huh. She come back here too soon. Whoever was hiding this stuff here figured that she'd be in New York, maybe. And maybe not, Mr. Hyland. No. Maybe that person knew she was coming back. Maybe him and Miss Van Wick were sort of partners in a business that wasn't legal. 
Does that make sense to you, Mr. Hyland? I don't know. I don't go in for guesswork. How about cyanide of potassium? You're singing way off key, Elisha. But you've got the right tune, ain't you? Put your hands up, Mr. Hyland. <laughs> All right. Now, just you walk up them stairs. And no monkey business, my friend. I got an eye like an eagle. <laughs> Operator, one, two, four. Hello. Elisha, this is Leonard Case. Do you found Ann Waldron? No. Oh, good heavens, what are you doing about it? I got searching parties out all over the island. But what about David Highlands from his house that she called for help? You talk, Mr. Case, about Miss Waldron and about Miss Van Wick, too. You mean that he killed Myra? Yeah, well, oh, Mr. Case. Yes, Folks here in the village tell me your car's been parked all day by the general store. Uh, I know. My butler, Sam Ray, took it this morning. Send him back if you see him, will you? Ain't nobody seen him since 2 o'clock this afternoon. I reckon you'll have to be advertising for a new butler, Mr. Case. Well, that's ridiculous. Sam wouldn't quit me without notice. Uh, maybe not, but he ain't on the island. Okay, sister, on your feet. Shut up. We're going to take a ride now in the open sea. Fresh air and just enough fog to keep me and you out of sight. Nice, isn't it? The way that fog comes in over the water. Perfect hideout. Even better than this stinking old tool shed. Tough, ain't it? You got so much to say, but that gag don't let you. Yeah. Okay, get going. Right down to the boat. Then maybe when we get way out in the ocean, I'll tell you a nice, interesting bedtime story. Okay, baby, this is it. You're dying to talk, ain't you? Okay, I'll take off the gag. <coughs> hey, you can scream, too. There ain't a soul around here to hear you, eight miles offshore. Sam Ray, when Leonard Case finds out about this, he's... <laughs> What's he gonna do, fire me? He'll... What have you got against me? Why did you bring me out here to kill me? I don't like snoopers, baby. But I was only trying to protect myself. Elisha McComber suspected me of killing Myra Van Wick. I didn't do it. I had to find out who did. So you went after a letter. I thought it might give me a clue. Yeah. Did that letter contain any evidence, Sam? Plenty. What kind of evidence? <laughs> You're sure a dame, ain't you? Well, you can't be afraid to tell me now. I'll never have a chance to... Will I... How right you are. Well, are you going to tell me, or aren't you? Baby, that letter meant the difference between a million bucks and zero. That Highland guy... Then he was mixed up with the death of Myra. Shut up. What's the matter? Listen. There's a boat out there. You make one sound. You listen. Are you dirty little... I'm going to finish you off right now and get out of here. story, Leonard. If it hadn't been for Elisha, I'd be at the bottom of the ocean now. Oh, man, darling, I don't know what to say to you. I feel as though it's all my fault. Nonsense. Oh, but Sam worked for me. I trusted him. How was I to know that he was a diamond thief and that he killed Myra? He did kill Myra, didn't he, Elisha? I reckon so. We got in the way of knowing now with him at the bottom of the ocean. Well, all I can say is thanks for saving Anne. Now, how about a party to celebrate? Sam gone, I guess we'll have to rely on Mabel to do the honors. 
Mabel! <laughs> candy! Candy, Mabel, for the lady. Oh, if she could only cook. <laughs> Mabel! Oh, she fell out the window. Leonard, she's flying toward Lila's house. Candy for the lady, eh, Mr. King? I don't understand what got into that bird. She's never disobeyed orders. And I reckon she ain't disobeying him now. She's flying to the only lady she knows. All right, Mr. Case, you can talk now. You got a mind to. But I got nothing to say. That's your privilege. But you killed Myra Van Wick by sending that bird out last night with a piece of poison candy. And you done it because you knew the lady would take the candy from the bird, maybe as an omen of reconciliation. Miss Waldron, did you know that Mr. Case and Miss Van Wick was husband and wife? Married? Yep. I asked the police in New York to do a routine check on Miss Van Wick, and they come up with a dope. Leonard. All right, so what? I didn't want her around. I told her to stay away from the island, to leave me alone. And you had good reason to. She might have found them diamonds in her coal bin. That would have been too bad, wouldn't it, for you? brings you down to the beach at this hour of night? You. And some of the things you can explain to me about Leonard. Oh. Well, Leonard Case was a smuggler. Sam Ray worked for him. So did a lot of others. It was my job to round up the gang from the top down. Your job? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm an agent of the Treasury Department. Oh. Well, that tells me a lot. Oh. Well, that's why I had to be so tough with you on occasions. I couldn't take the chance of being implicated in a murder... I would have had to explain my position to Elisha. But he's an officer of the law. Rounding up a gang of smugglers was my job. Finding a murderer was his. Yes. But what about that letter you received from Mara? That, my dear, was an authorization for me to enter her house and search it. Oh. Oh! What a... (laughs) What a little dope you are. Mr. Highland. David. (laughs) Come on, let's take a walk. So closes tonight's Crime Club book, Death Blew Out the Match, based on the story by Kathleen Moore Knight. Stedman Coles did the radio adaptation, Roger Bauer produced and directed. Oh, I beg your pardon. Hello, I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the Crime Club. Well, I'm the librarian. Ah, come over a week from tonight. Good. We have a very unusual story about a murderer who was revealed by postage stamps. It's called For the Hangman. In the meantime? Well, in the meantime, there's a new Crime Club book available this week and every week at bookstores everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's available now. Quite all right. And we'll look for you next week. continues immediately after station identification with a casebook of Gregory Hood. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.